Kay Cunningham is the face of the Detroit Pistons, and as high as he goes is as high as the Detroit Pistons will go. And that's why I believe the Pistons' number one goal should be putting him in the best position to succeed. What is that position, though? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. I want to thank you guys for helping us get to over 6,000 subscribers. We are now on our road to 7K, but our bigger goal is to get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of this season. Continue to show Locked On. We're the best and fastest-growing fan base at the Locked On Network. So if you haven't already, you're listening on the podcast, you're watching on YouTube, go over, hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. I'd absolutely appreciate it. Or you guys can also leave us a five-star review. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, that's another great way to support the podcast. Um, So far, Pistons haven't done too much in the offseason. So we're going to talk about and grade their offseason thus far. We're recording this on August 2nd. So there's still time before the start of the season if they do decide to do something. But so far, um, the offseason's kind of quieted down. Uh, we'll grade what they've done so far into the offseason. Then a little bit later on as well, we'll talk about, is there more interest now in Isaiah Stewart? And what does this say about Stu, the player? We'll talk about that. But the first thing I want to talk about is the Pistons franchise player, Cade Cunningham. Cade is the most important piece of this entire restoration, obviously. I think I think everybody will agree with that. He's the most important piece. And like I said in the intro, as high as Cade goes will be as high as the Detroit Pistons go. If Cade's not him, the Pistons are going to be in for a rude awakening, in my opinion. The rest of the guys, they can they, they can be good. They can be straight. But if Cade is not the face of the franchise, if Cade is not what we think he can be, then the Pistons are in some trouble, I think, in their with their future. I, I really do. So that's why I believe, and I've been in this camp, if, if you've been an everyday listener for the last few years, you will know, I've been in the camp for the last year and a half that the Pistons' number one goal needs to be putting Cade Cunningham in the best position to succeed. It doesn't mean ignore the rest of the young guys. It doesn't mean ignore everyone else's progression and development. It just means that on the pecking order, it should be Cade's development, Cade's development, Cade's development, Cade's development, and then the next person. Like, Cade needs to be the top priority here and putting him in the best positions to succeed and reach his height. Uh, that, That should be the number one goal here. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. Heck, even Cade's brother Cannon kind of hinted towards some of this on the podcast we recorded with him a few weeks ago. Um, what is the best way to build around Cade? What's the best lineup to put him on the floor with? What's the best system to try to play him with? How do you put Cade in the best position to succeed? And the reason why I'm talking about this on a random day in August at the beginning of the month is because yesterday... I was bored. I was sitting here, you know, there's not much to play right now on my Xbox. You know, I'm a gamer, and, you know, I'm waiting for the new Madden, waiting for the new 2K to come out. You know, Overwatch is killing me. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the death of me. So I, I was sick of it. I was bored. I'm sitting here next to my PC. You know, I was like, you know what? Let's go watch some Pistons clips. Let's go watch some Pistons games. I'm going to break down some clips and save some stuff. And the game I went to is by far my favorite game of Cade's career. You guys... Know what game I'm talking about. Again, if you're an everyday listener for the last year or so, you'll know what game I'm talking about. 
from his rookie season in January against the Utah Jazz, one of the games that Dwayne Casey missed, Rex Kalamian took over. It was, it's been my favorite game of Cade's career over the last two years. Now, obviously, he didn't really get to play this past season, so maybe he would have you know, usurped that game. But that game, by far, has been my favorite game of his thus far into his career. And why is that? Well, in this game against the Utah Jazz, the Detroit Pistons did something that I don't believe. Now, maybe they have, but I've watched, I've watched every single game of this team for the past two years. Actually, not even just the past two years. I've watched close to every single game for the last however many years, especially the last two years, three years since I've taken over the podcast. I've watched every single game. I can't remember another time that the Detroit Pistons utilized Cade Cunningham, put him on a line, put him with a lineup like this, and let him go to work like they did against Utah. What did they do against Utah, you may be asking? Well, in the second half of this game, Rex Kalamian, again, going against the Utah Jazz, Rex Kalamian decided, you know what? The pink's kind of clogged. Rudy Gobert is really making a difference. I believe this is also the game Hassan Whiteside was actually having a, a pretty big impact in the first half, I, if I remember correctly. Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert both are causing some issues. We can't have them staying in the paint. We can't have Cade driving into these guys. We're going to play the second half with Trey Lyles as the starting five, or as their, their starting five in the second half. Um, and we're going to space the floor out, and then we're going to let Cade go at it. And in that second half, it was the most fun I've ever had watching Cade because it was just he just dissected their defense. In the second half, they played five out. Cade looked at the defense, saw the matchup that he wanted, called that that teammate for a screen, got the switch, and then he went right at them every single time. It was it felt like it was happening every single possession over and over and over. And Cade was just obliterating the Jazz. The Pistons won this game, and in that second half, Cade had twenty four points and six assists. Which is why I've believed, on the podcast, I've said it over and over again. Look, I'm one, I was one of the people that said draft Asar Thompson. I was on the Asar Thompson train for a while. I, I'm one of the ones that have been telling everybody, all my listeners, that having multiple ball handlers in the NBA is how you, how you thrive at the top of the league. If you look at the best teams in the NBA, they have multiple guys that can attack closeouts, attack gaps, make decisions off of it, rotate, kick, Drive, kick, do it over and over and over again until you get a good look. They have multiple guys that can do that, which is why I'm so high in the Pistons' future still with Cade, with Jaden Ivey, Asar Thompson, and Jalen Duren. All four of those guys figured to be plus playmakers and high-level field guys. Um, especially, I, I know some people may be, you know, Ivy, high field guy. I think Ivy actually improved on that a lot this past season throughout his rookie year. I thought he was actually a really good passer towards the end of the year too. So I think he's even getting really good with that. I see some people really be sleeping on Ivy's playmaking. He really took a jump uh, as the season went on. But anyways, my point is, is that I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of it. I'm a believer in it. I see the value in it. I see where the NBA is going. I'm also aware, though, that there are multiple ways to build a basketball team. There are multiple ways to play basketball. A lot of people, I feel like a lot of people get so fixated on just one way of style of play in the NBA that they think it's the only way to play, and if you're not going for that route, you're not trying to win basketball games. I don't believe that's the case. I see the value with the multiple ball handlers. A lot of the top teams have that. It really works well. I'm a big believer in it, and it looks like the Pistons are going that route. Weaver talked about it, and Asar talked about it. I also am aware 
that if you just put spacing around Cade and let him go get his mismatch, he'll feast on any defense I feel like out there because he's that good of a one-on-one player, I believe. And if his pull-up shooting comes around from beyond the arc, it's going to be hard as hell to guard him. Now, is that the only way Cade can thrive? No, he's very versatile. That's why he was the number one overall pick. However, I do believe that we probably aren't going to see it a lot, but I do believe in crunch time, throughout certain stretches, if the team's struggling, if if the lanes are really clogged and guys can't drive, if a rim protector is really causing the Pistons problems. In any of those situations, or if you just want to, you know, if you feel like you really need to go full offensive lineman, I don't know. I do believe there should be stretches where you're just playing five out and putting the ball in Cade's hand and saying, Cade, go get the mismatch you want and create something off of it. Because Cade's such a good driver, he's going to break down his defender. He's going to break down the mismatch he gets. And if they don't help, he's going to score. And if you do help, he's such an insane passer that he'll make you pay every single time. So, look, again, like I said, there's not one way to play basketball. And I'm not saying there should be one way the Pistons play throughout an entire game. I think that with Cade... He gives you such the versatility that you can go with this multiple ball handler stuff. But also, let's let's try and empower Cade and let him just go out there and feast on guys. I'm not asking for the Pistons to turn him into full-on James Harden with the Houston Rockets when he has 40% usage rate. But let's give him some stretches where he just has spacing around him. He can drive without having to worry about three guys reaching down at the nail, without having to worry about two guys rotating at the rim. Like, let's give him some spacing, let him go after his mismatch, and let him dominate. Because I really do believe it could be just that easy for Cade. And I'd be sitting here lying if I didn't believe that there was a part of me. There's a part of me that does believe that if you built a team around Cade where it was just spacing around him and let him just go get his mismatch over and over, I think he could be a high-powered offense just by himself. Like, there is a part of me that believes that. However, again, I don't think that's what the Pistons are building towards. I don't even know if it's the best way to build towards. All I'm saying is, is that I do believe in the multiple ball handler stuff. I think the Pistons are building towards what the top of the league is trying to do. I just think during that, you should play stretches, which just, Cade's so good, let him go get his mismatch and let him create for the rest of us. That's what you do. The best thing about nowadays or modern NBA over the last 10 years is what teams and organizations and coaches have realized is why are we putting the ball in not our best players' hands? That's what you've seen over the last 10 years. That's why you see usage rates going so far up because people are realizing if we max our best player, we get the most out of our best player, we keep putting the ball in the best player's hands, more good things will happen. That's what you see with James Harden with the Rockets, Luka Doncic, uh, throughout the league with the best players. You see their usage rates going up because teams have been have gotten smarter. So, amen. That's just where I stand with it. I really, 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 really would like to see a lot of doesn't have to be all the time, but I really would like to see K just give him spacing and just telling him to go get his mismatch and let him eat. I think it would. I think he would absolutely thrive with it. Doesn't have to be all the time. Doesn't even have to be their main system, main lineup. Just stretches. He would. He would. Whew. Closing time. The other team has a has a bad defender on the floor. Whew. Just put some spacing on the floor and let K go get him. Just let and it, it it would be just that easy. I'm telling you, it would just be that easy, especially in crunch time. So let me know what you guys think about that. In the comment section down below, do you guys agree or disagree with me about how to best use Cade? Again, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, I want to grade the Pistons offseason thus far on August 2nd. We'll talk about that when we come back. 
But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Ibotta. Picking up burgers and hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? It's officially summer, and a new summer and a new season means new clothes. But your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make these purchases. Now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I. B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED with Ibotta. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. Subscribe button. My God, I got a notification as I was saying that it was about the Steph Curry rapping uh, song apparently. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Steph was low-key spinning some bars. I, I ain't going to lie to you. He said you, could, you should put the basket in the casket after I'm done. Oof. That's tough. That's tough. Get it? Because he's a shooter. He's the greatest shooter of all time. I mean, shots he's putting on that rim. He's killing the basket. Just bars. Just bars. But anyways, like I was saying, hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review. Or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Um, all right, so... Let's grade the Detroit Pistons offseason thus far. Now, again, it is August 2nd. They have plenty of time still, and there is quite a few free agents left. So if the Pistons did want to shock people and all of a sudden go into free agency again, they technically, or not again, for the first time this offseason, they technically could. I don't think that they're going to do that, though. Um, If they wanted to make a trade before the season, that's perfectly um, capable of happening. Uh, I I do think that actually is likely to happen with Killian Hayes or Marvin Bagley. so basically what I'm saying is the offseason is not finished, but it has when it went on for a little bit now, and it has quieted down. So I wanted to grade what they've done thus far. So their overall offseason. Their overall offseason, I want to hear from you guys. Tell me in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kook Hill, what grade would you give the Pistons offseason thus far? The grade I would give the Pistons right now I probably go. I I probably go like C C plus. And look, so this is this is why the Monty Williams hire was really good. I really liked the hire of Monty Williams. That was a really good move. However, they didn't really do anything else. They they really didn't. Um, Joe Harris, I don't think he's even going to be in the rotation. Um, and if he is, he's not some like. I don't believe he's some game changer or anything. I don't. I really don't believe he's going to be in the rotation. If, it, if he was a rotational guy, I thought it was going to play a lot of minutes, I, I changed my mind. doesn't have to be a star or anything, but I really don't believe Joe Harris will see the floor a lot. 
So I'm not. I don't really care about that move. I don't think that was much of anything, and it was more so just kicking the can down the road because they weren't fans of the free agency class apparently. So that's all that was, and they got a second or two with it. it that's not. It's nothing crazy. So it's like a okay. That's a fine move. Um, Monty Morris move. That's a good value move. That was a, that was a good value move. You got a nice backup point guard for basically cheap. Um, so that was a fine move. But that's basically all they did. They haven't done anything else. And that's why I ha- I have it like a CC plus because I don't believe just not doing anything really it, it was is going to change much with this team. Which is why I don't believe this team is going to be that great this season because it didn't really change much. You're really relying a ton on internal development, which is fine. It's fine. I, I have no issues with that. But you're really relying on a ton of internal development, and you just didn't do much this offseason. They drafted Asar Thompson, which I loved. That was the pick I wanted. But then, look, I like Sasser, but I still question that pick. They've needed wings. There are a lot of wings at that part of the draft that they could have went and got. And Sasser, I don't even think he's also probably not going to be in the rotation to start the year. But they got Monty Morris and Alec Burks. And unless they trade one of those guys in like December, January, February, I don't see how he's going to crack the lineup. So you spent another first-round pick on a guy that may not play this year, um, play a lot this year. Not Let me not say completely, but may not play a lot this year. When I, I, I call it more of a luxury pick because you didn't really need a guard. This team has a ton of guards. This wing room was the worst in the NBA this past season. You really needed wings. You got it with the SAR, but there were still some good wings at the end of the draft or end of the first round they could have drafted, and they didn't do it. So, not a huge fan of the pick itself of Sasser. Not saying Sasser's not good, but the pick itself, I wasn't too high on. And then again, they just didn't do much. So, I know I haven't given them any like F grades for moves they've done, but again, I have it at like the C plus range because the moves they've made aren't like home run hitters outside of. I think Monty was a really good one. I really loved the Asar pick. But outside of that, those are two moves you've done throughout an entire offseason. And outside of that, nothing else has been a real home run hitter. So it's not. I don't want to give them like an A, like they just went out here and crushed the offseason. I, I, I don't think they did that. I don't think they failed the offseason either. I think they just, eh, stayed pat. They, they you know, didn't do nothing crazy. Didn't do nothing crazy bad either. It is what it is. It was a okay offseason. Um. I know some people, and I, I saw a lot of this because the athletic James Edwards um, put out a, a poll recently asking, you know, fans' belief in the future. How do they feel about this offseason, blah, 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 all that stuff. And I saw a lot of people in the Pistons community talking about it. And I saw grades going from F, it's time to get rid of Troy Weaver, all the way to A, hey, this offseason was amazing, blah, blah, blah. So it's ranging all over the place. I've seen in the Pistons community, I think it was an okay one. It was an average to above average one. Um, because and, and what's making it an above-average move or offseason for me is the fact that they did get the guy I wanted in the draft at Asar at five, and they did end up getting Monty Williams. Um, so if those two moves are good enough for you to just move it up to a B, B plus, I don't think you could – I don't see how you could put it as an A offseason because they barely did anything. I don't know how you could do that. But I, I feel comfortable sitting like CC plus. I, I feel comfortable with that. Um, not doing anything in free agency, and then choosing to use like the cap space. And again, look, I don't know all the offers that were out there, but basically they used their cap space to to kick the can down the road with the Joe Harris contract. And look, I was an, I was a fan of doing something like that. Remember we talked about it on the podcast a lot. 
the person I kept bringing up was Ben Simmons. If you want to take on Ben Simmons' contract instead of using it in the free agency and get like a first-round pick or two back for it, I'd love that. You'd get assets. But basically, they didn't really get much with Joe Harris. They got like a second or two, which Weaver can buy a few seconds, and he uses seconds anyways to trade, and he hasn't been able to pull another trade off with those seconds a lot, really. Um, I mean, Monty Morris, I guess, but I don't know. I, I don't think it was some home run of an offseason. I don't think it was a bad one either. I just think it was eh. So that's where I stand with the offseason thus far. What do you guys think about the offseason? You guys think they did great? You guys think it's an A, A+, plus, B+, plus offseason? You think it's an F, D+, plus? What, what, what do you guys think it is? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Hill. When we come back, more interest reported in Isaiah Stewart. What does this say about Stu, the player? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Uh, okay. There was a report or a rumor over the last few days that says the New Orleans Pelicans were interested in Isaiah Stewart through trade, obviously. Um, I believe it was Isaiah Stewart and Jared Allen that said that they were interested in. Um, obviously, they haven't gotten either of those guys. And as soon as this rumor came out or report came out, whatever, James Edwards III of the Athletic tweeted out basically saying Stu's not going anywhere. But this is now the second rumor that we've heard this offseason of another team being interested in Stu. We heard that the Celtics were interested at the beginning of the offseason, and then we heard obviously just now or recently over the last week, that the Pelicans were interested in Stu. What does this say about Stu the player? Well, to me, it tells me that there are a lot of teams that see value in his switchability um, defensively and how much that could provide in a playoff series uh, for, again, for a winning team. And they must really buy his shooting development, which... We've talked about on the podcast a lot. I'm not the biggest believer in it. I don't believe he's going to become some sharpshooter. But to be fair to Isaiah Stewart, he shot four three-pointers a game this season. And he shot, basically shot the same percentage from three that he has his whole career, except on nearly quadrupled the time of value. So, and he did have a stretch where he was shooting like 37 38% before the shoulder injury. Now, whether you're a big believer in that small sample size, that's for you to decide. But if everything were to break right for Isaiah Stewart, if everything were to develop for him, and all the flashes that you saw this past season from him, where whether it's um, the flashes you saw with his shooting, um, I know uh, he averaged 1.4 assists and 1.4 turnovers. It wasn't like, you know, it, it's hard for me to call something more than a flash when you're not actually good at it yet. Like, he wasn't actually good as a playmaker and connector, but he did show progression and, and some flashes as a playmaker in the short role. He, he flashed it every now and then. He did flash it somewhat as a connector. Um, so he had the flashes with shooting, had the flashes when it comes to connective playmaking. And if you want me to be honest, I think opposing teams understand that his value is mostly seen as a start as as a backup five, not as a power forward. Because as a backup five, 
you can then use the value of him being versatile and being able to switch out on guards. With him at the four, you're not getting as much value out of that. So his whole value, in my opinion, is the fact that he's a five, a backup five. I don't think he can be a starting five, but he's a backup five that in, with the given matchup, if you need switchability on the defensive end, you can put him at the five position, and then you have switchability throughout the entire lineup. If you're playing him at the four position and having him to sit on the wings and you have another natural center next to him, you're not getting that type of value out of him. I don't believe him as a four. I think his future is a backup five. Um, And even then, I have some questions because he hasn't been a good finisher. However, again, the reason why, to me, I think teams are showing a level of interest in him is because of his defensive versatility, and they obviously have to buy some of his flashes offensively. Um. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays this year. If the interest in him continues to go up, we continue to hear rumors about Isaiah Stewart. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays this year and whether he actually is a power forward or not. I'm, you guys know I'm, I'm not a fan at all of him playing at the forward next to Duran. I, I think they've needed a start for off, all off season. I would rather have went, uh, I'd rather go Bojan Asar uh, at that point uh, to provide spacing because I don't think he's a natural four. I, I I don't think he's. I believe he's a backup five. Again, for the reasons I I, I suggested here. Um, but the things I guess I'll just end it with this: the things that I believe Stu has to improve on for him to reach this ceiling that that fans have for him, and 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 for the interest other teams to have in him to be. Um, rightly placed interest is that he has to become a better finisher. He just he just has to be. Uh, this past season, and let me pull the numbers up from this past season, because for the last, ever since his rookie season, he has not been a good finisher. He's been one of the worst finishers in the entire NBA as a big man. Um, give me just a oh my god, my login's not working. Um, anyways, all right, we'll skip that for now. But we we've set his percentile and rankings. Um, as a finisher before, hasn't been great. So I think he has to become a better finisher around the basket so he can play the back of five. He needs to continue to show progression as a shooter and actually become a, a an average three-point shooter, which is around 35%, um, and continue to develop that playmaking, that, that, that connective playmaking that he showed. So we'll see if he can do all that this upcoming season. Um, but it is interesting that there has been a few teams that, seem to believe in his future. Um, I don't think it means that they think he's already great right now. It, it seems like they really believe in his future. So in his future, it's coming up this season. They just give him an extension. He's going to have to show them that it was the right decision to give him an extension. I'm interested to see how he plays. Um, the question I want to ask you guys about Isaiah Stewart is, do you guys believe he is a four or do you believe he is a five? We'll talk about, or we're not going to talk about that again. I'm about to wrap the podcast up. I do want to hear from you guys though about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukio. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Stay safe. Peace out.